0: Alright, we're gonna go ahead and get started here with the Sooners Extra post-game Twitter space slash podcast after OU's uh, 38 to 35 loss to Baylor on Saturday night. And uh Barry, uh plenty to talk about here in this one, but wanna start off with the uh fourth down decision uh by Brent Venables not to go for it, to punt it. Nearly worked out beautifully for him as OU nearly uh Uh, downed it uh, right outside of the end zone, ultimately wound up in a touchback. We asked Brent Venables after the game, and he uh, talked about that decision and said that just felt like he didn't want to – I can't remember if this is the exact phrase he used, but basically didn't want to uh, dig their own grave with what happened uh, there. What did you think of that decision? You there, Barry? Barry, you there? I uh, know I can hear Barry, uh, moving around, so, uh, it, let's see, I'll, uh, See if we can get Justin hooked in here. Barry's disappeared. All right, Barry, you there? All right, now we should be good. Barry, can you hear
1: me? I can now. Got knocked knocked off.
0: Got knocked off. Well, I wanted to start off with the uh, decision to punt on fourth down there in the second half. Uh, We asked Brent Venables about it after the game. He basically said didn't want to dig their own grave there, you know, if they uh, don't get it in that situation. What did did you make of the call then and after listening to what Venables had to say?
1: Well, I – I actually didn't question it a lot. I didn't, you know, they do have an excellent punter who does pin people deep. They missed it by just a little bit that across the plane, I think. Um, but they all learned it. Um, and went, then what Brent said afterward, which is, you know, dig our own grave, seal our own fate, whichever it was. What he meant was, I think we can stop them if we get them at midfield, because then they're in four-down territory, although clearly they think the whole field's four-down territory. So I, I don't have a big problem with it. Frankly, the OU offense was uh, pretty good today, but Gabriel was not on tip-top shape. You know, he missed some throws, and I can see why he did it. I can see why he did it. Um, it was a big dichotomy, though, in terms of here's a here's a guy going for it on fourth and one at his own, 29, and here's a guy fourth and four not going on it from, where were they, the 45-yard line or whatever it was. So um, I, it, it was a game of fourth downs, and Baylor's a veteran at it. They're 18-27 this year. OU's not been that. Not been that uh, daredevilish. Might have to start being with this defense, which clearly is not very good. And I just realized that uh, I was muted. I think
0: that whole time, so we had some issues. But uh, sorry, it's uh, been that kind of night. But Justin, wanted to ask you about the penalties that OU had. Um, they've been they've struggled with that all year. They were last in the Big Twelve in penalty yards. Uh, a, a number of them coming into today, but uh, another day where penalties really killed the Sooners, especially the Andrew Rame uh, penalty uh, there at the penalties, really, uh, there at the end of the first half that led to Zach Schmidt having to try a 55 yard field, field goal try that was uh, wound up being a little bit wide left. And then, uh, you know, in the third quarter, David Agwebu makes a great open field tackle that would have put uh, Baylor, and I believe about a third and 12 situation. Instead, Isaiah Coe gets called for hands to the face. And, uh, you know, Baylor has a first down. And a couple plays later get a, a turnover or a, a pass interference call in the end zone there that Ted Roof said was really unnecessary afterwards. But uh, so those penalties just really killed the Sooners' chances to get back into the game after, uh, you
2: know, the, uh, the, the turnovers made it so difficult early in the game. Yeah, eight penalties for sixty-four yards, and then obviously the ones you just listed off were really crucial ones. And you know, it's just it's just shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, we talked to to Brent about it. We talked to the players about it after the game, and they, they've all said the same thing: it's just a lack of discipline, which is surprising because a lot of those people that we just listed off that got those penalties are all experienced guys, you know, returners and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's especially when. We all know about the problems that you know OU has on defense. We know that the offense has also worked through some ups and downs. You can't afford to just be holding yourself back with those kind of careless mistakes. And that's really what we saw today. And in a game that's this close, I mean, those are difference makers. Those are games that can decide a win or a loss. And we really saw that today. Yeah,
0: Barry, to mentioned discipline. Physicality was a big uh, topic of discussion afterwards. How surprised are you here that we're, you know, this deep into the season and with a Brent Venables coach team where those things have been uh, sort of hallmarks uh, of his teams in the past, that uh, this still remains an issue? Barry, how, how surprised are you that the, the physicality and the discipline remains such an issue on a, a Brent Venables coach team with the, the reputation that he has and how far they are into this season
1: oh just a little bit surprised I mean remember we knew going in that the OU defense had been depleted now we all on some level bought in a little bit to this idea that Brent Venables is a miracle man and he had the magic elixir for defense um some some people said, uh, "Hold on." Some said, "No, he's going to change it immediately." But the truth is, OU not been very good on defense for a long while. Got wiped out on the defense to some degree this year with the with the departures, and not a ton of reinforcements coming in. So, this you know the the mental the mental makeup maybe Brent could get some things established, and maybe he has. I don't know. But physically, no. That's not a strong defensive front. We thought they were would get after you pretty good on the pass rush, and that really hadn't trans, you know, transpired either. But you know, there's not any there's not any physical specimens in there. Jalen Redmond's pretty good, but they don't have a bunch of bunch of tough guys.
0: But Justin Berry's right. Obviously, they don't have a, a lot of guys that you think of as. You know, big physical like Mauler types uh, in there, so we knew that physicality was going to be an issue in this game, particularly uh, for the defense. But uh, Baylor today, you know, we we talked a lot about Richard Reese and his ability to uh, uh, run the football uh, all, all year. He's been really good over the last few games. Didn't have a lot of carries today. Apparently, Dave Miranda said there was a bit of a flu bug going around uh, with the Bears, but in his place uh they had a a, a pretty good replacement uh a, a massive massive day for Williams uh over on the uh the Baylor side and given his career production i think that shows just how good this offensive line and everything else around him has gone because it wasn't uh I'm not going to say he didn't have to work work for every yard because he clearly had a fantastic game but he also had some pretty big holes to deal with uh, up front created by his offensive line.
2: Yeah, like you mentioned, got a little more opportunity today because Reese's, um, as Coach Randis said, was dealing with the flu, so battling back from that. So we did see some of them, but for the most part, it was it a was Craig Williams show, man. I mean, he entered this game with a little over 200 yards on the ground this season and then had 192 rushing yards on 25 carries with two touchdowns today. So, I mean, that kind of lets you know just the uptick in production that he had. And, I mean, like you said, it started off with that offensive line. We already knew that going into this game. They had multiple seniors on this team or on the offensive line. So, we knew they were going to be able to get a lot of push up front. And, yeah, I mean, he he made the most of, of the opportunity. I mean, it was just one big play after the other. And especially down the stretch, it just seemed like a backbreaker. We saw that last play or one of the last few plays on third and three. OU needs need to stop at midfield and he breaks free for what would have been a touchdown had he decided to run into it but ultimately slid for a gain of 43 so i mean yeah just the run defense was it was a real struggle for OU all afternoon kind of i mean we already knew it was going to be a struggle going into this game because of the matchup but yeah i mean this one was it's it pretty rough to watch
0: yeah but let's go to the other side of the ball the offense and uh you know, Dylan Gabriel, Jeff Levy said it after the game. He said, you know, the, the, the story of this game was really simple. The four drives in the first half that were basically four turnovers, three interceptions by Dylan Gabriel. All of them got uh, tipped uh, on some level. Uh, they had the, the first one that was tipped by Baylor uh, defensive line, just not a good uh, pass at all uh, for Gabriel. The second one tipped by Braden Willis over the middle. It was uh, one of those sort of, you just chalk it up to uh, uh, almost a bad luck uh, kind of thing. But the third one to me was the one that was, you know, really, it's the one they didn't, Baylor didn't score off of, but it was maybe the most damaging because um, not only did they throw the, Gabriel throw a turnover there, it was uh, tipped by a cornerback, uh, picked off eventually, but they had Marvin Mims wide open for what would have been his second long touchdown of the game, and instead they've got to get into uh, you know back and forth uh, with Baylor.
2: Yeah, I guess just on the topic of the interceptions, I mean, especially what we saw it led to afterwards, the points off turnovers. I mean, Baylor ended up converting those three interceptions into 10 points off turnovers. OU managed to get an interception courtesy of Billy Bowman and wasn't able to convert anything off of it, so... Yeah, I mean, in a close game like this, it's it's really similar to the penalties as well. Those kind of mistakes are the deciding factor in games like these. And those three interceptions, you know, really hurt the Sooners because we saw that Baylor was able to capitalize off of them.
0: Yeah, sorry, driving home here and trying to uh, make sure I keep my eyes
2: on the road as much as
0: possible. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, not – not good execution at, at various times. And Dylan Gabriel's got to got to be better about recognizing when he's got receivers open and and when to throw, when not to throw. He's been pretty good at that all year, as far as not forcing stuff into to tight windows, uh, things like that. But today, not at, not just the interceptions, he had another one that was a. A near interception. I can't remember if that was uh, another one there in the second quarter or uh, early in the third. But the second, yeah, yeah, just um, a really off day for Dylan Gabriel. His numbers outside of the uh, the one or outside of the interceptions, not bad. But those interceptions and the the fourth down stop where uh, Marcus Major is the Wildcat quarterback lines up in the backfield and uh, stopped uh, for, I believe it was no gain there, for a fourth down turnover. Those really put the Sooners behind the eight, eight ball, and when you've got a team that could run the ball like Baylor does in the second half in particular, it, 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 it puts you really on edge because – uh, the the uh, Sooners really had to be perfect offensively uh, from that point out, and and they weren't weren't uh, weren't good enough to get it done.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the running in the second half. and I mean, when we talked to to Benables and the players afterwards, and you could tell they were frustrated because, I mean, it's not like like oh, you didn't know what Baylor was going to try to do. I mean, they were looking to run the ball, like play after play. Um, I think Shapin only threw about 24 pass attempts, which is the second fewest amount of uh, pass attempts by an opposing quarterback this season for OU. So, I mean, you, you knew what was coming and just the inability to stop it, I have to imagine, was pretty frustrating. I think we, we talked to about five players, and from the three transcripts I've read, all of them said the word frustrating. So, definitely frustration there for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough when, like you said, you know what's happening and you're just not able to stop it. It seems like,
0: yeah, they just had no, no answer for it there. The defense, I thought, I thought played, you know, uh, decently at times. Clearly, you know, made some stops there. Were pretty good on third down, but Baylor goes for it on fourth down as much as anybody uh, in, in the country. Just about. And uh, they were able to convert a few of those, keep themselves on the field and then, uh, you know, really wore down the clock. What was it? uh, Oh, you had, I believe, four uh, possessions in the second half, two punts, two touchdowns. And after they score that last touchdown, never able to get the ball back is, you know, the uh, the Bears. Uh, march it right down the field would have scored had uh, Williams not taken the knee there. But a big third down conversion uh, there on that drive too that kept the the uh, Sooners from getting one more crack at it.
2: Yeah, I mean you you'd seen the previous drive for you. They were trying to get some momentum on their side. I think Eric Gray had it was like a one or two yard touchdown run. I mean I'm sure that offense was was anxious to get another opportunity, but. It just goes back to what we were saying. I mean, just the inability to get stops, especially on the ground, was just really the backbreaker for them on top of the penalties, on top of the turnovers. Even with all of that, they had a chance to win this game, which I think is, is pretty crazy. I mean, because we saw fans were leaving the stadium. Um, you know, once once Baylor went up 10 late in the fourth quarter and it, it seemed like it was over, oh, you still had a chance. But it just, it just came down to not being able to get those stops on the ground uh, that really did them in.
0: Yeah. Although I also thought they really hurt themselves on, on that drive in particular. Yes, they scored on it, but it took a long time for them to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was about five minutes that that drive lasted. So really didn't leave themselves much wiggle room there, uh, to get out of it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely a longer drive. Um, It makes it tough, you know, for the defense. I mean, the defense had to, I mean, like you said, they did show some good signs. I think particularly that third quarter, they were able to get some good stops, got a three and out. But, I mean, that was just a lot to ask of them to be able to get off the field quickly and and give O.G.'s offense a chance there down the stretch.
0: Yeah, so now the Sooners, Justin, stuck with five wins, aren't able to get over that ump, and, get into uh, bowl eligibility uh, territory, which never certainly didn't think that was something that we'd be talking about here uh, in early November. Usually OU sitting there talking about championship November and finishing off the season off, uh, you know, to, to play for or win a big 12 title. That obviously is well out the window at this point. So next week uh, they go uh, to West Virginia, uh, West Virginia, West Virginia, uh, lost to Iowa State today. They're, you know, their team that we thought of for a lot of the year was at the bottom of the Big 12. Obviously, they've uh, jumped up and and can bite some people, but fell uh, 31 uh, to 14 today. Justin to you, what is the one thing that OU has has to and has the ability to change this week in order to have success
2: uh, next uh, Saturday morning in Morgantown? yeah I think that's really important the way you phrase that is has the ability to change because obviously there's a list of things that they need to improve on on both sides of the ball but in terms of just controllables I mean we have to go back to just shooting yourself in the foot with penalties and stuff like that I mean just playing disciplined football I think is something that you can control and that's something that they're gonna have to because they have so little room for error with all the other problems that they have going on on both sides of the ball. So I think it really is going to start with penalties for them. If they're able to clean that up, then you have to think they at least have a chance.
0: Yeah, I think to me, discipline is at the top of that list. We've seen uh, OU use that to their advantage in Morgantown before. We'll see if they're able to uh, uh, do that again. Obviously, this is a a much different team, and they've, they've struggled with that all year. But they've got to clean that up. I think they've got to uh, get a better performance out of Dylan Gabriel. You know, he he doesn't have to be perfect, but certainly can't put them as far behind the eight ball as they as he did today. I mean, heck, if they are able to score on you know even uh, one of those drives, much less uh, a couple of them, that's a completely changes the complexion of this game. Absolutely, you know, 180 degrees and gives OU a a great chance to come out today uh, with a victory but they don't the Sooners uh, fall to Baylor uh, 38 to 35 we're going to wrap it up there thank you so much uh, for joining us today we'll see what uh, the next week holds for the Sooners we'll be back uh, probably on Tuesday afternoon hopefully if we can uh, get it in if not We'll jump on on Wednesday morning for a a midweek breakdown of OU uh, West Virginia, and then we'll be uh, right back out in Morgantown uh, next Saturday night as the Sooners take on uh, the Mountaineers. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage in the